What's up, y'all? Have a seat. It's your favorite hour of the week with the Facts Over Axe crew. We got the master of the mix and master, Josh Guyton in the building. That is I. We got the money man, the man with the plan, Chris Allen in the building. Right here, right here. And you got the MC, little old me, Kenton Gibbs in the building. We got it all today. We got sports. We got strikes. We got, we got ball. We got GMs. We got coaches. We got coach of the year. You name it, we got it. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to get right into the strikes. The NBA started it. Uh, the strikes that occurred due to the uh, murder of, I'm sorry, the attempted murder of Jacob Blake at the uh, hands of uh, Kenosha police. And so uh, if you don't know what happened there was the... Bucks uh, were the first team to decide to sit out. Uh, apparently, the Magic weren't notified. They took the court and were planning on playing. They were trying to honor their boy uh, Jonathan Isaac's legacy. And um, what apparently happened there was uh, after realizing that the Bucks weren't coming out, they went back to their locker room. And when they were told, hey, you could accept this forfeit from the Bucks. Uh, they didn't do so, and so no games were played that day, uh, nor Friday. And the decision to play, uh, the strike came Thursday. The decision to play came Friday after multiple reports of a couple meetings happening and apparently a call reaching up to Obama uh, happened as well. So let me just ask y'all this. Was oh, and the 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 striking spread from the NBA to the WNBA, to Major League Baseball, to Major League Soccer, everybody did, everybody struck rather struck uh, for a day or participated in the strike for a day. Um, so let me ask y'all this: Was the strike meaningful? Um, yes, it was meaningful just because we haven't seen something in this magnitude uh, in our lifetimes. Um, this wasn't the time to do it, but it was impactful from the standpoint that we saw the, the power that these players have, how much power they hold with sports, how much power they hold over the bottom line of so many people of power. The people, the, the owners, the people that are in charge of making an NBA operate are the real people that's in power. We saw an example of that of when uh, Meek Mill was in jail. And you got billionaire Jay-Z and almost billionaire Kevin Hart and all of these people lobbying him for to get out of jail. And you had NFL owner Robert Kraft get involved and Meek Mill was out of jail two weeks later. Right. So when it comes to, to uh, the progression of society, these owners have a lot more power. And we don't really think of that because they're really behind the scenes. Half of these owners, we don't even know who they are. They got old money and they own these teams. And that's all we really know about them. Mm -hmm. um, the players boycotting tells them like hey none of this is going to go down if we don't play so you need to step it up and get involved because we can only do so much you hold the real power as far as enacting the change that we want to see um the only thing that i had a problem with was we're not going to speculate or report like a million other sports shows have done because apparently none of them have no idea what they're talking about the one report was mm -hmm. here, another report was here, and players were calling them out saying that was cap. So, um, the only thing I'm going to say is it seems as if the uh, the entire NBA was planning to do this as a whole or announce something like this, and the Bucks went ahead and did it and blindsided a lot of the players, which it seems like they had a problem with. So, I wish that uh, all of the teams as a whole were were more uh, uniform in the protest, but the things that they were able to get done in a short amount of time uh, was the best that they were able to do. We're going to touch on those things later, but I think the, uh, I think the strike was impactful. Uh, I didn't want to see them in the season. We made it this far. I, it's a lot more things that's important in basketball, but if you made it this far and you sit in the bubble, I think you finish I think you should finish the season. Of course, um, the WNBA, followed suit i can't even say follow suit because they've been the forefront and the loudest speakers when it comes to uh issues like this in sports they make the they make the least amount of money and they're willing to make 
the biggest sacrifices. And um, I think the MLB just did it because they were facing pressure. And if anybody out there uh, has an application for a new baseball team to support, uh, the Tigers did not postpone their game. They played it anyway. And then the next day after everybody clowned them, they was like, yeah, we'll postpone it. And they were also the last team to break the color barrier. And I'm I'm kind of over the Tigers. It would be better if they were winning games, but they're not. So if anybody got an application to be like a Dodgers fan or something, send I it my way. I told you to come over to the Dodgers. Let me know. Man, I told, that's the only team we, in LA I like. <laughs> let me tell you something. Y'all are disloyal. Y'all are dishonest. <laughs> I can't trust anybody that's not a homer. But that's been another a story. I've Tigers fan for listen, 25 years, listen, man. Listen, 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 bro. Listen, Gibbs. I'll tell you this, and this is going on a tangent, but I'll tell you this, bro. I love all Michigan sports until the Lions went 0-16, and I told everybody they would make the playoffs that year. Well, now, hold on. Well, now, Listen, hold on. What about fan. that team? You fan. looked at John Kidman and baby. thought to yourself, he finna lead a playoff team? Yeah, yeah. I was a baby <laughs> in this sports world. I was a baby, and I was just, you know, I was in love with the Lions, and they broke my poor little heart. I was probably, how old was we when that, when that dropped? What, 13, uh, 12, something like that? Kyle Bosch never had a 15-sack season, and we were counting on him for the entire pass rush. And that well, you thought that that team hey, hey, going somewhere. <laughs> I wasn't looking at the big going somewhere. Follow my heart, not my brain. You know how that goes sometimes. You do a lot of dumb stuff for somebody you love. But anyway, I hear you. I, I second guy on everything. Uh, definitely, definitely needed to be done. And I do feel bad that the Tigers out of all teams, a, a city that's predominantly black, was the exactly. last team to. The blackest major city in America by population percentage. Yep. Exactly. So, I mean, it's kind of weird to me that they chose not to just strike right away. But at the end of the day, it was a good look. Um, a lot of people are angry and upset that it was so short, which it was short. But, I mean, hey, you don't already gave up this much of a commitment in the bubble and in gave bubble for my concern. Why would you go this far and then not finish it on top of – the voice impact, I think that's what the players realize. The impact they have while playing. Because I'm going to just be honest with you and say this, and we might have some, some white listeners, but it's no offense to them. But a lot of white people that don't like black people, they're hating these names on the back of the jersey. They, these phrases, they're hating it. They hate the court having the Black Lives Matter over it. They they, they are angry with it. If, if so I'm being honest, this, this uh, if I can step in for a second, um, if I'm being honest, if it's those kind of white people that that have a problem with that like this show isn't for them if you ever spoken to a white person that's truly progressive and you say something like yeah i'm not messing with these white folks they never have an issue with it because they understand just like as a man if a woman says something like uh these men Men ain't whatever like yeah yeah, i don't have an issue with it because i can as a as a progressive male i completely understand the standpoint that they're coming from so exactly in the historical context of the violence that's been bestowed upon them from me i get it i get it well, I disagree with everything y'all just said. I don't like any of it, so I'm going to strike like the NBA players. <laughs> all righty, strike over. I hope that you all have learned your lesson. My strike lasted about <laughs> as long as theirs. Now, let me tell you why I don't like this strike. In the beginning, when, when we were talking about Kyrie Irving, the disruptor, and all that nonsense, the first thing that I said was, if you are going to give this up, I say, you know what? I agree with Kyrie that they should take a seat. But the question then became, how long are you willing to sit down in order to see change? And what changes is it that you are exactly trying to see? Because one thing that I guarantee you, y'all talked about the what happens when the rich and powerful put political pressure on a certain thing happening. Let me ask you this. If the NBA players, all of them collectively, decided, hey, we're not going to play again until the murderers of Breonna Taylor, until the murderers of Elijah McClain, until the attempted murderers of, uh, of Jacob Blake, all, until all of them are arrested. You don't think all of them would be behind bars right now? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. That. And so I that to- I, I, I think they'd be on trial right now. I'm not gonna say behind bars because 
But and here's the thing. So, so okay, I can agree with you on that. Sure, they'd at least be on trial or whatever the case may be. I don't think sure. they'd be convicted. You, I think they would be behind bars. I can't guarantee you they would be convicted. Well, but I think that, they. But you do realize, but, for murder on trial, you will be in, you will be in uh, jail for. Right. But but y'all do realize that we have all agreed that if they had sat down and said, "Until these folks are arrested, we are not playing another game." They that would have happened at least bare minimum the arrest would have happened correct yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's less than five days away from when the strike started <clears throat> like I'm sorry and I don't want to be this guy but I got to be this guy sometimes the fact of the matter is uh, if we look at the history of strikes if we look at the history of boycotts if we look at the history of abstaining from things. Uh, in order to achieve a goal, if we want to talk about the Montgomery bus boycott, it lasts 381 days. If we yeah. want to talk about uh, any labor strikes that have have produced uh, effective unions, they tell me who lasted a day. Tell me who lasted a day. And well, two, I'm, days, I'm, two days, two days, two days. Two days. But... But did it last two days because they agreed to play on day two before the end? No, they agreed to play on day three. They agreed to play on Friday. No, they agreed to play the end of the day Thursday going into Friday that they were going to start back Saturday. So they played, they struck for Wednesday, Thursday, and part of the day Friday. But the day that you strike the the new deal to come back, I can't consider that part of the strike because you you made the deal to come back already. But even if we do... Forget it. We'll throw that day in there. We'll throw the whole 24 extra hours on there so we can extend it out to 33% longer than it would have been without. The fact of the matter is, I just, I don't see, um, I I see this as posturing and grandstanding, but I also understand, and, and don't get me wrong, just because I think the strike was useless does not mean that I, I believe that uh, it is up to professional athletes to solve the problems of racism in America. That is not at all what I'm saying. Right. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you're going to get in the fight, get in the fight, dig in, dig your heels in and say, I'm, this is, you know, for lack of a better word, excuse me for, for using this phrase and describing this fight, I'm standing my ground right here. That and, and that's not what happened there to me. But out of the uh, agreement, there were new NBA social justice initiatives that were agreed upon. Um, and it was um, the NBA and the owners immediately establishing a social justice coalition featuring reps from players, coaches and governors, um, converting every team arena into voting locations for the 2020 general election and creating ad spots and playoff games that promote civic engagement. Um, to me, I just, I don't, I, I like all those things. All those things are good, but I just don't like the idea of what this morphs a strike into going forward. Right. I want people to see what the, the, the true meaning and what the true depravity that people have to be willing to go through when in doing strikes looks like. And this was not it. This just wasn't it for me. But so are people expecting too much of the players to y'all? Um yes, yes. Um but it's 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 honestly something that you need to sit and reflect on. People are expecting too much of the players because for some reason we've put uh, entertainers and athletes, especially in the black community, on this pedestal where people are expecting more of them to uh, fix issues, and they've done more to fix issues than actual people in power and politicians, and simply asking like uh, police officers to hold each other accountable and stop killing people. Um, but I am impressed with, not necessarily impressed, but I am glad that they were able to enact these small changes that they made in the 30 hours that they were on strike um like i said before from a selfish standpoint i want to see basketball finish but at the same time um it's too much pressure on the athletes to enact change but they also have the power to enact change so i do agree with you that if we wanted to see real change they have the power to boycott for a year two years i mean as a competitor they would 
probably feel some kind of way about wasting away the prime of their career. But if that's what it takes right. in order to to make this change, it, hell, I mean, it's going to be pressure on players to boycott even if they don't want to. But in a hypothetical situation, if we just had Steph Curry, LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, like 10 players boycott, something would still get done. Nobody's trying to watch a, a Thursday night matchup between uh, George Hill and, and Pascal Siakam. So, but oh, it, it is, God. it is no straight. Both of those guys are good players, but you're not putting them on your on your poster. Um, not spicy P, <laughs> not spicy P. No, but I feel I you know. though. I feel. Yeah. Chris, are, are we expecting too much of athletes? Man? I mean, no, because athletes have a fan base that like no other. So when I say that, I mean like athletes are the people that you're gonna see all the time. You're always gonna see people like. Ordinary people, well, and they're they're ordinary people as well. They just have gifts from uh, gifts growing up from God, and they just excel in their gifts. So they're ordinary people, but they have a voice because they have such a strong backing. Like for for people like LeBron James, for example, or Giannis Antetokounmpo, or James Harden, if they take a foot in the right direction, it's some people out here that's just gonna follow them just because they're so in love with these guys. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for sure. So that's why I feel like if they do anything, it's 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 a plus because, I mean, they have such a fan base. You're going to get people each time they do anything. You're going to get something from somebody. You got what I'm saying? And if they do it enough, it's going to be a, a big backing behind it. That's why they get paid millions of dollars because they're leaders in the community. I, I feel that. I feel that. But I, I also, you know, in hearing uh, the people who do these things for a living and hearing people who do activism and hearing people whose whose entire uh life's goal is championing um you know racial equality um you know dismantling uh patriarchy and and curiarchy and things of that sort and hearing all speak about this and, and celebrity activism and all that there seems to be a very common strand here and just because, and once again, just because I think that the strike was too short doesn't mean that I think it's too short because I, I expect uh, the players to take on a heavier burden. I expect I expect you to, once you make a decision on that, I'm, anybody knows, I try to live life through moderation, but I am kind of, you know, when I do something, I do it. I'm going 100 miles per hour. So I I do believe that people expect too much of these athletes. And for me personally, uh, there's there's a quote from uh, Malcolm X saying that, hey, no other community looks towards comedians, looks towards uh, singers, looks towards these folks for their political cues. Right. Uh, nobody else. Everybody else looks towards politicians for their political cues, looks towards actual activists for their political cues. And, and I... I understand what it's like. Hey, I'm black. I get what it's like. I get the black experience. I get it. I understand why uh, these these folks are are uh, put up as they are. But you know, I'm just I I don't think that we can place the burden of uh, you know. Oh, well, they were supposed to sit out until racism was up. Yeah, no, no, that's not a thing. If they're going to sit out until racism was over, congratulations, we've effectively ended the NBA. So yeah, that's uh, that's just the thing. Sorry, to get off, but this is facts over acts, and that's facts. That is just that's that's facts that shape our world and is shaping our sports, and we we got to talk about it. But now we're gonna talk about what's happening on the court. And no, I'm not talking about Luca hitting game winners or saucing players on Black Lives Matter court because it felt <laughs> downright racist. Okay, it felt downright white supremacist. I'm just calling it is. But uh, no, nah, that's um, despite all that, the uh, we're gonna read off these playoff updates, and you know we're gonna talk about how everything going so far for all our predictions. The Clippers took care of uh, Dallas four two, Lakers took care of Portland four one, Toronto swept Brooklyn, uh, Utah's up three to two on the Nuggets and they are current their game was currently in progress while we're recording this thing so we don't have absolution on that we got uh, Philly and we got Philly who's already been swept by Boston 
We got Houston up 3-1 on the Thunder. We got Milwaukee taking taking the the series from Orlando 4-1. And we've got Miami sweeping. Uh, Houston so, up 3-2. That's the only thing you, you messed up. Three, oh, I'm Houston sorry. Houston, Houston. Yeah. Houston up 3-2. My bad. It's written in the round down that way. I don't know why my mind didn't say it that way. But in the East, we've already got the conference semi set. Miami versus Milwaukee. Boston versus Toronto. Boston took game one today in dominating fashion. Uh, for the uh, other side on the West, neither uh, conference semifinal is locked in yet. As uh, you know, the Jazz and Nuggets are still going on, and so is Thunder. But you know, is so in coming into this thing. We, we talked about our predictions and we talked about who we thought was going to win what. And we didn't see too much action this week because of the strikes. Uh, but is there anything that y'all have seen that changes what you thought from last week? Is there anything that you saw in the game earlier today or that we're watching right now that makes us say, you know what? Hold on now. I, I, I thought I knew, but this is something that I wasn't prepared for. Um, no. Uh, I mean, all of my predictions were correct besides, like, being one one game off except for the uh, Nuggets Jazz. I thought the Nuggets would handle that. And I think I said six or seven. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, the Jazz is run, running away with that, which is going to be um, actually an easier path because I actually think that the Clippers will have an easier time beating the Jazz than they would the Nuggets because we know basketball is a game of matchups. Um, I I don't know if the Jazz are running away with this thing. I don't know. I think so. Paul Murray has been sizzling. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think I think it ends tonight. I honestly think it ends tonight. I, uh, right now, I as we you. currently watching this, Jamal Murray got 22 in his second. He's 8 for 10. Yeah. I hear it. I, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you this. When the Jazz took a 3-1 lead, I looked at game five and I said, okay, the Jazz got to win game five. They got to win it. Yeah. The Jazz messed around and flubbed that one up. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, your boy stay undefeated. But, but yeah. uh, Chris, oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, go no, ahead, I, Josh. I was just saying, I think everything is going on path the way I thought. I think the Lakers handled right. the Rockets in six. Um, like it's a game of matchups. I know people were kind of skeptical about the Clippers because. Um, they struggle with the Mavericks, but the Mavericks also had one of the most efficient offenses that we've seen, like statistically wise in the history of the sport. So I think when they go against different teams, those matchups are going to work a little bit differently. And then Boston is looking a lot better than I anticipated. Um, I've been telling you. I still don't think is I, I still think it, it, the Raptors going to get a few games. If it went six or seven, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I wonder how it's going to impact going into the next series because if Boston can walk through easily in this series and get a couple more wins like they got today and end it in five games, I know that Milwaukee is going to struggle with Miami. I don't have them losing to Miami, but they're going to be tired going into a series with Boston who may have been a team that's been resting for four to six days before they even play Milwaukee. So right. that could impact Boston's finals, finals chances depending on how hard Miami plays Milwaukee. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris, anything you've seen that's, you know, got you rethinking some picks, got you looking at some picks funny, anything? I'm going to just run through them quickly. Dallas, I think Porzingis is there. They go seven. And Paul George is still Pandemic P. He had a breakout game for game five, but game six, he went back to Pandemic P. So we knew that was going to happen. I think we said that it was going to happen. Um, I want to say this for the next series, Lakers in Portland. I was high on the Lakers, but after seeing them against Portland, I just don't think that supporting cast is that good. Like, I know you got Bron, who's two people in one. I know you got AD, who can be two people in one, which he doesn't do often. But I just need to see that supporting cast this next round. I need to see them do something, or I don't even know if they have a chance to win the NBA championship. Toronto, Brooklyn. I didn't even know why we watched that one, but, I mean, we spent sports <laughs> fanatics, so we had to watch that one. I did look at Toronto. The team as a whole is playing great, but Siakam isn't playing as great as he did last playoffs. Um, Utah-Denver, I had Utah winning it, but I did not expect Jamal Murray to give us 30-plus in the second half for two games straight. So, And right now, as we're watching this, he has 24 right now. 
in game six. So I don't know about that series. I had Utah winning in five, which they could have won in five. But they messed up. I still got Utah winning. Philly, I think they fired in the right direction. They fired Brent Brown. Um, that's all I'm going to say about Philly because not really much to talk about Philly when you get swept. Um, Houston and Pop. Thunder. I had the Rockets sweeping them, and it, 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 it cheered me up yesterday because Gibbs was jinxing us. Thanks, Gibbs. They, the Thunder got their two games, though. They've done it six. So I'm not <laughs> mad about that. I'm just mad that we couldn't get the old man LeBron when he was 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 in the hard-fought series because they had no Dame. So I think if Dame played, they would have went to game six, and then they would have been in the same boat as us. But Milwaukee, I found out they defense. I mean, their offense is terrible when Giannis not on the court. Miami ain't better than I actually thought, so I got Miami winning against Milwaukee now. I got mm-hmm. Boston sweeping Toronto because, like I said, they playing good as a team, but Siakam has not looked that good to me this postseason, and I think Toronto can be swept. Yeah, yeah, okay, and, okay. And then Clippers, I don't really – I mean, if they play Denver, I could see them struggling. They play Utah, they got two guys that give the pick and give Donovan Mitchell some trouble. So it's it's kind of like, eh. but they see Utah, I think they'd take care of that one quickly. But they see Denver, it's too many guys. To, they don't have no big man really like that besides Zubac on, because I don't count Montrez Harrell as a big man. I don't know about y'all. All I'm saying is, all I'm gonna say is about about what you said there. I told you what was gonna happen with you and the Thunder. I told you. I told you. I said if Russ don't play, they lose the series. I said if Russ do play, okay, that tilts it in their favor, but still, in, it, it's going to take some games. I told you. I mean, this well, what was so your logic behind you just, you just don't like that, Tony. That's your logic. No, it's not. <laughs> and here's the thing. And here's the thing, right? Here's the thing about me and that, Tony. I used to love those sons. Those sons were my team out the West. They got. They unfortunately ran into the Lakers, which, you know, especially in the early, mid-2000s, I think that's some of, like, the clearest reading the refs have ever done. And and see, I don't, I don't think the refereeing has ever been as lopsided towards one team uh, in, in our, or in post-merger history since the early 2000s. Because that was when they had Donahue and all them that were just, like, out of control. With. Yeah. Um. But even then, I thought to myself as a kid, why can't they finish it? What's going on that, like, people keep saying he can't get it done? And as an adult understanding more now, it's like, oh, I get it. I get it. The, the human body just can't replicate hitting that many threes that many times back to back to back unless you are it's just a freak of nature. You're the anomaly that's meant to do that. Clay Thompson was born to shoot threes. Steph Curry was born to shoot three. That's just, that's their bloodline. That's just who they are. Um, Daniel House is not. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm, but Giz, you looking at it like that, though, that's closed-minded, though, bro. You got to look at the bigger picture. If you have guys like Harden and Russ that draw so much attention, their percentages go up as because they're going to be wide open, a lot more wide open shots. They're NBA players still, and they, they can knock down open shots is what I'm saying. So when you look at it like that, I mean, statistically speaking, D'Antoni's system and the Rockets are built to succeed. But if you run into a series where you're not playing a lot of defense and you're shooting a lot of threes, if you go cold and you got somebody on the other team like Brian that's going to shoot 60% in the game, chances are you're going to lose. And not only I mean, that. Yeah, but their defense been looking great. Hey, listen, not only a that, but y'all. on the team, really. Y'all are, y'all are baseball folks, right? Yeah. Right. Y'all remember Moneyball, right? Right. Did Moneyball win any uh, World Series in the beginning? Like, when they before they truly refined it, before they truly said, oh, it's this in with the eye test. Did pure Moneyball ever win championship? No, sir. It's the same across sports, baby. I would love to – I would love to say we can – figure out the world through just pure number everything off and that's how we figure it out there's always the human element of the thing and the human element of putting those bodies up against big big men against putting those against you know 
Steven Adams is one of the strongest guys in the league, so it's understandable for for uh, them to wear out and going against him. But even if you're not talking about him, most teams in this point going forward have bigs on bigs on bigs. The team that they're going to see next have probably the guy who was the last back-to-the-basket big man to lead his team to the NBA Finals. Yeah, That's the end of Dwight Howard. And then next to Dwight Howard, you got JaVale McGee. Next to JaVale McGee, you got Anthony Davis. They got some bigs that's going to come at you in droves. That, oh, hey, you man. think. I, I got you, but, hey, our defense but wait. is good. Yeah, that out the way. Either they got the the Clippers, the, the Clippers, the Jazz, or the Nuggets. Bigs. Okay, you looking at bigs, and then when they do get the to the Clippers finals, do the Clippers really have bigs? Do the Clippers really got bigs? Okay, we can exclude the Clippers. Either way, either way, those you can, so you got to play the at bigs in LA, and you go to the finals, and we all pretty much all of us got either uh, Boston or Milwaukee coming out, correct? Right. Yep. Is that correct to neither, say here? Okay. Neither team has game changing bigs. Excuse me. They're not game-changing. No, no, no. This is what I'm saying. They're not game-changing bigs from the standpoint of, oh, just their their presence. You're going to get 30 and 15. No, 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 no. They have bigs that you put them on P.J. Tucker, P.J.'s going to wear out. They're going to wear him and Robert Covington. You're 100% 100 agree now with that. You got – the the way that the young buck from uh the way that the young buck from Texas A and M played today for Boston, you you got three quality little bigs for Boston that you got to see in the finals. Excuse me, yeah. sir, I I can't. And if we talk about the Bucks, you're talking about the most mobile big in the league, and Giannis, the most mobile. That's. Because let's be but honest, he, we can pretend the position that we, he playing. He playing point big, like he's playing point center almost. And Covington has has numbers where he plays really well defense against Giannis. Hey, listen, and that's that. I love that everybody that Giannis is enough from the three that everybody can do that whole just build a wall at the free throw line thing. But you know what you need to build a wall, bricks. You need bigs to build that wall. Well, if the wall is, if the anchor of that wall is PJ Tucker, I'll take that. Give me that. I need that. <laughs> I need that. I, uh, if, uh, if I'm uh, Coach uh, Budenholzer, I need that. But you know, um, yeah, everybody else, for me, man, everybody is who I thought they were. Uh, Jokic has been very disappointing for me. Super disappointing for me. I, you can't show up to the playoffs not locked in unless you play off P. But everybody else. You come to the playoffs, you've got to be just and to see him kind of like, oh, going through the motions. Oh, he's there, but he's not really that that kind of that hurt me a little bit. And I ain't he gonna came lie. out in game five and he came out the game eight for eight. And I thought I was like, maybe he found himself in the second half. Jamal Murray took over. So you couldn't really come to the conclusion. But I, I don't. Eh, it's, it's hard to tell. Yoke. It's hard to tell if he's motivated. Enough it, to play. Like I, I don't see him staying in Denver long term. To be honest, here's here's the thing for me. I'm not even one of those guys that a guy who's jovial, a guy who laughs, a guy who has fun, as somebody who's not locked in. You can just tell when yeah. Dwight was in Orlando. Dwight would laugh and joke and have a good time with the best of them. But you could tell he was locked in when he got on that court. You knew even the things that he did not do well. Even the things that he couldn't do were just beyond his capabilities. He wanted to do it. My, qu- my question about to. that situation with Dwight is, I don't know what happened in that situation or the front office or the coaching or whatever, but I felt like Dwight was always locked in. He was always ready to evolve his game. He was a mm-hmm. dominant. Like I feel like he don't get his credit because he's goofy now and he's a role player now. Like People that just started watching NBA this decade, bro, go watch 2008-2009 Dwight Howard. It was different. Like, this man it was w- giving you 20 and 20 with five blocks easily. 
It was it was it was a sight to behold because that like I said that's the last I think that yeah. I truly believe that's the last pure back to back it was a, back it was to a, the basket big man that it was we'll a see. flip that switched in Orlando to where like he was locked in and then he just wasn't anymore I don't know if they did something to they didn't give him enough help he lost his motivation but like after 2010 that's when Dwight like it was down I don't I just I'm curious as to what happened in that situation hopefully we get an answer one day but it went away quick. For me, it was just wild that he could just back to the basket, back to the basket, back to the basket, drop step, boom. Yep. Back to the basket, back to the basket. People honestly honestly discredit that so much because you got bigs like Joel Embiid that can shoot the three a little bit or Jokic that can shoot the three a little bit. But you see where they go. They go home every year. They went to the finals. Dwight Howard to the finals. His second best player was Hedo Turgaloo, bro. And not only, and not only that, not I would only say that, Jameer. Jameer was second best player because Jameer. I don't know. But Is even that, still, <laughs> when you when you look at when you look at when you look at him and his skill set and what he did and, and all that, I believe that there's a trade off that happens. These bigs who like feel like, oh yeah, I can shoot outside and I can do all these things. They That's naturally lazy. play more. Exact. I have not seen yeah. a single big. I have not seen a single big. And I mean by big, I mean center now. We're not talking power forward, point forward, whatever. I mean true center that runs the court the way Dwight did. I haven't seen one. That I ain't sure. The only one reason. that's close, the only one that's close is, and he don't have an offensive package though, but he rim running, he's solid, and he plays hard. It's Rudy Gobert. But he don't have no type of package to score yeah. the ball. His, he just turned around flipping in. Type One dude that did for a minute, what? too, was, was Mark Gasol, but he just wasn't the athlete to do it on a consistent basis. But he had the, he had the IQ to, to do so. Exactly. And that, that to me, the he had the leaping ability. He had the, the rebounding, the timing, the natural all that. But he also just ran the floor. And that, the effort is a big part of what uh, the hump of the NBA. But that's we're going to talk about these coaches now. Because we just talked about the the importance of Wait, the coaching. One last in the thing, though, Gibbs. One last. Oh, thing. go ahead. And it's just a quick point. So I watched the Clippers game today. Mm-hmm. Luca looked kind of fed up with his team today. Like they battled and they kept the game interesting, but Luca, in my opinion, he kind of was like tuned out after once they got down bad. Like in the third, so, the, the last five minutes of the third quarter, Luca was waving his hand like I'm done. Like, I, I, I so I'm gonna give you a short. I'm gonna give you a short allegory about something that I saw that was like allegory. But I'm gonna give you a short comparison, something like that. Y'all know I covered sports while I was at NC State uh, before I graduated, and even after I graduated or whatever. And Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, when he was at State, he was the dog. He was the guy. He was the alpha of the pack. Everybody else was to follow. You know, he was the freshman. Uh, he was clearly the most talented player on the league in in that on that team. Uh, almost every game he played, even including the ones against Duke and UNC, you could see it. You could see that this guy, whatever it was, he had it. Um, and he was just. It, it was one game they got. I want to say they got blew out by UNC. They got. They was getting the brakes beat off him. But he individually was not having a bad game. He was playing great defense on whoever he was checking. He was getting to the lane at will, finishing or making good passes to his teammates who would then blow layups or not catch the pass. And he, it was the same thing. About halfway through the second half, he just looked through. And I was talking to my cameraman, and I said, Jesus Christ, this is just... He looks like he's out of it. And... The camera guy told me, uh, shout out to Brad Simmons. That's that's my guy, WRL, out there in Raleigh. He looked at me and he said, you've got a Ferrari with a bunch of Hondas. He They can't keep up with what he's doing. Luca on that team without Kristaps, that's a Ferrari with a bunch of Hondas, man. And that's that you you're going to get frustrated because you running at 300 miles per hour and everybody else is operating at Oh well, we're pushing a hundred. Please be nice. Like, you know, it just it ain't gonna work out well. I mean, I, I might be an old school kind of guy, man, but I feel like if you in your second season, those are the lumps you got to take. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I feel uh, like the, I don't want to sound crazy, but I don't feel like he got the right to be fed up quite yet. Oh my lord! Oh, uh, I, 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 <laughs> I, I hear you, like, Josh. I hear you, Josh. But I bring that up to say, 
Luca on a rookie deal, I mean, it wouldn't be crazy if he decided to, you know, leave Dallas. Cause I don't really. Oh, see get out of here, Dallas. Get out. I don't. He, he, he there for another five player. years, bro. He there for another five years at least. They're they gonna, they gonna, they gonna give him the super max. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They they got a max. Think, they got a max slot next Dallas, summer. Y'all think Dallas can can keep enough talent around Luca? No, I don't think Absolutely. so. Absolutely, I don't think so. Absolutely, dog. No, I'm gonna I see it like this, right? Any player who has a lot of foresight. Uh, really, really good players, right? Like, not you're on the level to where you're right below the greats, like right? You know, you're right below, like a Jimmy Butler, for example. Like, you know, I'm a really good player, but I'm not, I'm not LeBron, I'm not 30, 15, and I'm not Giannis, I'm not 28 and 20 or 28 and 17. Like, it's not, I'm not him. If you are smart and you're having to pick a guy going forward to hitch your wagon to. Luca's the guy. I'm yeah, sorry. Luca's next. He I'm, is. I'm not he arguing is. that. I'm not arguing that. Gibbs. Luca's for sure next. He's the next guy. And, and I'm tired of people comparing him to Larry Bird just because he's white. I think that's the he's, yeah. yeah, that's no, not even the close to the they, same they kind of game. Is, yeah, they're not even the same. But but Luca's definitely. I think he's the next best player in the world. I think he is. But yeah, the thing is, the best player in the world wants to be around a team they comfortable being around. And I don't see Dallas. When has Dallas ever had gave a superstar? Even Dirk had struggled. They didn't put enough talent around Dirk. You see, he only had a couple seasons where he had to go God mode. But and the dominate. the fact the fact of the matter is, the owners and the coaches are realizing that times are changing. They're realizing you we cannot we can no longer do it the way we used to do it. Mark Cuban is realizing. The I'm, and I'm pretty sure he realized it when they played the Heat the first time, and Dwayne Wade went to the free throw line every time he looked at the rim. You cannot win without a certain amount of star power in the NBA, even if it's just star power by name. You need at least one or two max players right. to and, get it done. I just can't envision. Is, go go ahead, Chris. Okay, uh, my thing is the the durability. Of, Kristoff hasn't been proven. Luca has been proven to be the next best player in the world. Like it's no doubt in my mind that if he if he isn't it, I'm gonna be like, who is it gonna be? But at the same time, it's nobody else. They don't have assets. They got cap space. But when the last time a superstar went to Dallas? Right. That's my that's my point. Like if you said if somebody got the foresight, they smart to go there, and you're right. But at the same time, um, it's more than basketball now. Yeah. Yeah. Even. Even in seven years, I can't imagine. Like I feel like Jimmy Butler is in a, is in a league of his own in a league right now. He's he not quite a play, superstar, right. but he's also a player that's willing to go anywhere because he's good enough to have an impact on the team. I feel like everybody above him is everybody above him is a superstar that's probably not going to go to a team like Dallas to play with Luka because they can carve their own path. And everybody below Jimmy Butler. Is you you're not going to win with them like as a two option, so I just even of seven years I can't imagine a scenario where it's a superstar player that's going to be that's going to want to go play in Dallas. So hear me out. If you're, I mean, Boston can only pay so many of those players. They can only pay so many of those guys that are really good. Right, right. But they can pay them. Pay, you can't pay Jason Tatum super max and pay. Uh, um, Jalen Brown Supermax and pay Marcus Smart Supermax. So let's say Marcus Smart would probably be the, the one of the yeah. three that y'all would get rid of, right? Yeah. If you put him with Luca, he brings the defense and the tenacity. Luca brings that's the skill and help the offense. For Luka to and, stay. Bro, that's not, but that's the, not. I, I'm not saying that him alone is enough. I'm saying you get those two. If I'm a decent big, if I'm a you know a, a decent like. They got Kristaps already. Dallas got but, money now. They're going to throw a whole lot of money at those Marcus Smart type of players. So they're going to end up with a lineup of Luka, Marcus Smart, Tobias Harris, and it's still not going to be enough to win because he's going to need another another scoring star. I'll put it to you like this. The reason why Jimmy Butler stands out in that situation is because Jimmy Butler, and, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, that's probably the best number two that you can probably have on your team. Jimmy right. Butler... Because he does both sides of the ball. If he's not hitting offensively, Jimmy Butler is going to get to the free throw line. 
If he's not, if he's struggling defensively, Jimmy Butler is going to still communicate out there. You get what I'm but saying? But in Jimmy today's Butler's game, in, has in today's flaws. But in today's NBA, we need to rethink what a number two is because if you look at Clay Thompson, look at Clay and say, "Oh, he's a number two. Is he? Yeah. Is he? Like if you yes, really, he's but a, hear yes. me out. Hear me out. If Clay Thompson was on about twenty other teams in the NBA, he's one A or the number one. No, am I no, am I wrong no, in that? They're it's, not winning. Okay. No. No, They're his, not winning. His game, his game is not number two. Number so two wait base. a minute. I mean, number one. Oh, base. Wait a minute. His game is not number one base. Not number so one. So wait a minute. If you put Clay Thompson on the Philadelphia 76ers, he's not one A or number two no, on offense. No. He, 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 he is, but he's not winning. So wait, 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 wait. You I'm telling about me number two that one of the best, win. one of the best shooters. In NBA history, statistically speaking, here this is not but me you know, feeling this way. Play style, bro. He don't have the ball on the floor. Play style. He, he's a so he's a, Ben Simmons is the driver. Is the I'm gonna get you to, and then you got Embiid in the post. That would, I, and granted, this hypothetical is not something I want to see happen. Let's let's <laughs> get that out the way. It's not. But I'm just saying, if we talking most of the teams in the league, he is a legitimate one A option, especially for teams. That their scoring is the big man, or their current one is the big man. If he went to uh, Minnesota right now, he's one A to cat. He's not a, a number two, a clear number two to cat. And that team would go to the playoffs or be close. See, my my thing is, if he went to twenty other teams, Clay Thompson could be one. But my, I'm trying to bring winning basketball to Clay. That's what this, I mean to to Luca. That's what this conversation is about. Right. And right, if Clay sure. is your number one option, you're not winning a championship. But what I'm saying is, do we the the what a number one is now is di- I mean what a number two is now is different from what it was in the past. Number yeah. two in the past was like, oh yeah, like most teams, he could still be a good scorer or or he'd still be a. Uh, average score and a good, really good defender on those teams. Now, because of the way that players are taking control of their destiny and deciding, I want to go play with this guy, or I want to go win a championship over here, or whatever the case may be, it's just different. It's not the same. It's not the the number. Your number two is a clear cut. Like, oh yeah, he's not gonna go anywhere else and become right. a number one. He's the number two for a reason. I don't think that we're, excuse me, in that space anymore. So I think the guys who are even above. A Jimmy Butler, who are even in that star to superstar class, would say, you know what? Everybody else has two to three. Why would I not go over there with him and be two or three with him? I right. Mean, and, and the one player that I think will move, you know, a lot for Dallas, and gives, I don't know if you'll like this because you make this team. One player I think that would really, really make a, uh, make a Luka want to stay in Dallas and figure out where that's going to go with Brzingis. And they have the money for him. Bradley Bill. That that player was mm. solve a lot of their mm. issues. Bradley Bill, if they can figure out a way to talk to Washington, who it looked like they about to just blow it up. Because John Wall, yeah, he's coming back, but I mean, do you wanna go through Yeah, it? no, Washington blowing that up. Watch them blowing right, yeah, exactly. that up. And Bradley Bill just got paid for them, so he's on a manageable deal where you don't have to throw any extra money at him. Mm-hmm. And you go get Bradley Bill, I think Dallas is a contender. Uh, and, and you know what? I can see that, and I can feel it, and that's that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like that that the scenario was not exclusive to Clay Thompson. Bradley Bill is another one. A majority of teams in the league, and this is a de facto thing because of the way that the league has huge talent disparities now. Because everybody is either we're competing for a championship or we're blowing it up. That's just a a, a byproduct of it. That players who are really good. They could go to most of these teams that are in blow it up mode and become the number one like that. There would be no, oh yeah, well is he or, you know. But okay, so I I, we can put together a package right now. I'm looking at the uh, Maverick salary. Mm-hmm. We could throw Tim Hardaway, Dwight Powell, uh, Seth Curry, and two picks for Bradley Beal. Y'all doing it? Mm. Wait, wait. You said Dwight Powell, Seth Curry. Dwight Powell, Seth Curry, and Tim Hardaway. That's a little too steep. I mean, and two picks? That's a little too steep. That's a little I'm too steep. I'm keeping Tim Hardaway or I'm keeping, what's his name? Exactly. I got to keep Tim or, or Seth. I don't think I, Washington I, accepts I anything one. less, though. If you Washington, would you I accept mean, that? I mean, but, 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 but here's no, the no, thing. No, no, you forget, you forget Washington has John Wall they can move to. 
So you take less and go get more with the John Wall trade. But here's the thing. How much uh, how much do you think you can get if you're talking Bradley Bill? Because that package that you just put together to be, that sounds kind of like what the Lakers gave for AD. And, mm. and Bradley Bill ain't no AD. I, I don't I don't think so. Because you got to think the Lakers gave up, what, five picks? I mean, yeah, Wait, the Lakers. They gave up five? They gave up four gave or five, up, bro. They gave, up, they gave up three. They gave up the number four pick. They gave up the number five pick. Oh my lord! Okay, I was about to say five picks. That's out of control. They gave up three players and three picks, bro. Okay, so so that's sounding like that's sounding like about what the Lakers gave up for AD. But they also the Lakers also gave up Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Alonzo. In my opinion, got a higher ceiling than any of those three players that I just named on Dallas. Uh, I don't know about Josh Hart, but Alonzo and Ingram they have a higher ceiling. The the Pelicans got a haul of picks, which include this year's number four overall selection, a top eight protected in 2021, uh, which comes unprotected in 2022, a swap pick in 2023, uh, unprotected in 2024, and they can defer it to 2025. So four. So four picks. All right. We're going to switch lanes here from uh, the the players being welcome dealt. Or is is that how that... Is that how you properly conjugate will and deal and pass it? Whatever. Anyway, we're going to get to these coaches and the coaching carousel in the NBA right now because, you know, even in an un, even in a uncanny, uh, unconventional season, we still going to see some hirings and some firings. So we're going to start with Nate McMillan being fired by the Pacers. Is this a good move by the Pacers? Um. I feel like it's something. I feel like it's something that that they had to do, just because you know it's going to be a lot of blowback from. Maybe some players are frustrated. Definitely fans would be frustrated if you're a fan of the Pacers. And I feel like that team was definitely talented enough, regardless of injuries, to not get swept. But at the same time, it's um, with that team, I really think of it. it I really think of it as a situation as okay, you fired Nate McMillan, but what's next? I don't think any other coach that you're bringing in presently is going to um raise that team ceiling as opposed you know and they're going to do something as revolutionary or do something as far greater than this season so i'm waiting to see what their next movie is i'm not going to say it's a good firing or a bad firing i have to wait to see what their next movie is and how they perform under that new coach before i'm able to uh analyze that chris good firing bad firing what you thinking terrible firing um he yeah. hasn't had all his players for one true for two the coach that they talk about replacing him with, Mike D'Antoni, the current Rockets coach, you don't have nearly enough horses in the stable to run his offense. So I don't even Absolutely know why they're even thinking that. Uh, when your best player is Victor Oladipo when he's healthy or Malcolm Brogdon when he's healthy, you don't have a James Harden or a Steve Nash type player to even run his offense. But anyway, that's a different story. Also, he, he had... Um, Opportunities where he could have succeeded, but also Indiana let them go. He traded away Paul George when they had a whole year left for Paul George, and they could have got a lot better deal for Paul George. Oladipo's not bad, and he did serve his purpose at being in Indiana because he did play good, but Oladipo has had some injury history. So, I mean, I wouldn't have done that for Paul George. I don't know about you two, but would y'all have did Oladipo and a couple picks for Paul George? Um, yeah. Hmm. I feel like it worked out for both sides. Knowing what I know now, absolutely. Knowing well, what I know now. Now that you seeing know what I've seen from PG. And that's what I was about to say. See, but I, and, and there's a slight amount of context needed. The playoff performance that Paul George put on before he was traded, everybody looked at the Thunder like they got fleeced. And they kind of did. Yeah. A couple of picks was good for Indiana because they wanted to move towards the future. And at the same time, I think that everybody gave up on Oladipo too fast. I thought that he would be a solid player, but he was so good in college. Everybody expected him to blossom immediately. And it's too much pressure on these younger players. You gave Oladipo a couple years, and he's performing the way that he was supposed to. No, but see, one firing. Okay, so two firings happened. Brent Brown got fired, and Nate McMillan got fired. Brent Mm -hmm. Brown's situation is completely different. He had two transcending talents that he couldn't figure out how to make them play well together or he couldn't figure out to get what, the, what he needed to do with them. And they needed, it's time for them to switch it up. 
Nate McMillan, on the other hand, he hasn't had that generational talent where you you say, all right, a new coach is good for us. We just going to switch it. No, he's getting you to the playoffs every year with a mediocre team at best. I don't know if anybody in the East that matches up with Pacers first round say, oh, this might be trouble. You know, it's it's and they don't say uh, we could just walk over them either. So it's a mediocre team and he lives up to the standard of to me. Sometimes they're the third seed, sometimes they're the fourth seed, sometimes they're the fifth seed. They're the middle of the pack team, and he's above the standard a lot. So to me, it was just a bad fight. You know, them talking about getting D'Antoni, I see what's happening here. What's happening here is the thing that happens often in relationships when, you know, you, you go with a woman that she's just so – She's so headstrong, and, and everything is always an argument, and everything is always, it always feels like it's her way or the highway. So the next woman you get, it's the the pushover, the person who, oh, yeah, whatever you want to do, yeah. No, I just left the store. You want me to go back and get you? No, okay, <laughs> I can do Because the Because the, they went from Frank Vogel to Nate McMillan, two defensive coaches back-to-back, yep. and they came out of that. And they're now saying, well, we're going to go as offensive as we can get when it doesn't it, – realistically, it doesn't make sense. And, and a lot of people bring up his playoff record as why, uh, as why they, they uh, don't – why they need to get rid of him and talk about 3-16 and 16 in the playoffs, 3-16, and 3-16. Well, I mean, let's look at the – Let's look at the material, shall we? You've got the 2017 season, his first season as a head coach uh, with the Pacers. That team got swept by LeBron and the Cavs. That were healthy. I was just about to say, that that Lakers team was healthy. So, I don't – I mean, come on. Not Lakers team. (laughs) I'm sorry. You're right. That Cavaliers team was healthy. That Cavaliers team was relatively healthy going into it. So what are we – okay, and then we look at that. That's the year after they got rid of Paul George. Victor Oladipo is blossoming. He's turning into an all-star. He gets hurt. Or was that the year that they went to seven games? That's the year they went seven games. Yes, yeah, they, they went, went seven to se- So yep. they went to seven games that year. They went to seven games. And then last year, Victor Oladipo is blossoming. He's an all-star. He gets hurt. And then you you're you're shorthanded, and you get swept by Boston. That ends up going to the conference finals. If I'm not correct, I mean if I'm correct here. You are. So yeah. what? And I and don't think they you, got swept either. They didn't get swept. No, they get they got swept. They got swept because he the all oh, yeah, yeah, wins yeah, were the three yeah, against yeah. the Lakers. But yeah. mind you, you're without your best player in the series. That even with your best player, you're still out, man. I don't know what magic y'all wanted him to work. And then the last season, this year, when he gets swept, it's without his star big man Sabo, who was an all-star, and Victor Oladipo was recovering from injury. That Victor Oladipo that we watched against the Heat, he was good, but that wasn't prime Victor Oladipo. Nah, Depot, Depot one of them athletes that's scary. He's on heat. It, yeah. It's I don't think it's fair to him at all to say just say three and sixteen without context. And I get it. A lot of people are, hey, don't show me the labor pains or don't tell me about the labor pains, just show me the baby. That's fine and all. But in this league, unless you got a LeBron, a KD, uh a Steph, there is no baby. There is no you don't have a Kawhi, you don't have a Giannis, you're not winning a championship. And it, it's so sad to me that his teams lost to the eventual champions or the eventual Eastern Conference champions or Eastern Conference finalist runner-up. And this is the treatment that he gets. And to be honest, this year, I'm fairly certain, he got swept by a team that I wouldn't be surprised if they were in the finals. I'm going to just be 100% honest with you. If the Heat made it to the finals, I would not be like, wow. Yeah. Wow. And every game this was the competitive job. too. It wasn't like they was getting blown off. Besides game two when Duncan Robinson erupted, but other than that, they had every game close. Like it wasn't like they was Oh, trust me. Right. If you look at seventeen against the Cavs, 
Game 1, 108-109. Game 2, 111-117. Game 3, 114-119. Game 4, 102-106. This is not... At the end of the day, tell me one series that he went into where his team was the favorite. Tell me one series that he went into where you say, I expect you to win this. Any one of them. Any one of the four. And if in any one of those four, you can say with a straight face, I expect you to win, we can have a conversation. Regardless of who the coach is, unless you got Pop or Spolster on those sidelines, I don't think you win any of those series. Any. Any of them. And that's just the honest to God gospel truth of that. And so that, to me, is it's it, I don't like it. I think it's a bad firing because at the end of the day, where do you go from here? How do you get better from here? And then whoever comes next, they're going to have advantages that he did not. True. And yep. if they get the same cards that he gets, they'll get the same results he gets. I guarantee you, even if they get Sabo and Oladipo healthy. If one of those two gets hurt going into the playoffs, with the way the East is looking to shape up the next few years, unless Giannis leaves, huh, good luck to you, buddy. Good luck. You're going to have another first-round exit with whoever the new coach is. But you know, Yeah, that's do, just... do you think he gets another job? Oh, absolutely. Okay. He, he ought to. He ought, but I'm going to tell you, though, and I'm going to tell you, this is the only reason. Let me take that absolutely back because I, I had a lot of conviction there. I was fired up because I'm, I'm a big – even though I'm a Pistons guy, I recognize great coaching. I recognize great players in the division, in the conference, all that. And he was one of the better ones. But I'll say this. Um, based on the way that I've seen other uh, minority coaches get treated after they've been fired, even if things weren't necessarily their fault or even if their hands were tied behind their back, I don't know if he will. And that's just being honest. To watch people treat Mark Jackson like he's the worst thing in the world. And granted, Mark Jackson had some off-the-court things going on that made him a harder hire. I understand right. that. But still, to watch the way that people are talking about him and treating him now, it's hard to feel like I, I'm confident Nate McMillan's going to be a head coach somewhere else. An assistant coach? Absolutely. A defensive coordinator for a D'Antoni-style coach? Absolutely. But uh, just a, a head coach? I don't know. But in positive news, I would Joe like to him. The Kings. You know, you know. Oh, go what? ahead. I would like Nate McMillan in Sacramento. Woof. Now Luke we got, and I, and I messed around and broke the news too early. Anyway, Joe D to the Kings too. Joe D and Nate McMillan with those Kings. Ah, uh, hmm, that might be something. Could be. That might I be mean, something. Luke Especially ain't doing looking over at, there. Especially looking at the fact that most of the teams in the West have already brokered their futures away for right now. You look at the Lakers. That future, is there is no future beyond. Like, the Lakers are the Lakers, so every year is win now. We all know that. But if you look objectively at the Lakers' future, you have to say, okay, well, y'all are going to have to use the, Laker, the lure of being the Lakers to pull somebody in because you you can't. You, a 40-year-old LeBron is not going – that's not going to be the ticket. I'm sorry. <laughs> as much as I love LeBron, I'm not trusting a 40, a, an actual 40-year-old in basketball <laughs> to be the guy. Like, that's just not how that's going to work. Okay. So, the Warriors, another team. Steph has been – he's proven his body cannot take the beatings of NBA seasons. He had a span where he performed well, everything rolled well, did, but – you know, it, it's not going to happen. It's just not. Uh, you look at the other teams in the West, I don't see too many that are future forward set up that like, hey, this team is going to have the future of the West on lock for years to come. So I, I think it would be a great for those two to partner up out there in, in Sacramento. But yet, Tibbs gets a job every time. <sighs> Lord, let's just pray for RJ Barrett knees. Because, you know, <laughs> and I sent a, I sent the video to the group chat the other day of uh, of Derrick Rose dropping that 40-piece against the, the Hawks in the playoff. Bro, y'all were up 12 with five minutes left. Why is your star still in the game? Man. What's going on? 
he should be sitting to see at worst. Uh, he should be sitting at worst to see if you know they come back. We put him back in to close it. Where do you where do you see the Sixers going now, Gibbs? The the Sixers are going back to blowing it up, and this was the problem with the process all along. This was the problem with the idea that hey, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna uh, tank and pull really good players out of this. You can't. You can't. Uh, you can't do it. You can't bank on. Oh, we're gonna intentionally be bad to get a bunch of really good players, and that's how it's gonna work. There's only one way that you can be intentionally bad for a bunch of years in a row. The year that the Bulls drafted Michael Jordan, they became. They went from the traveling cocaine circus to a legitimate. Not a legitimate contender, but a legitimate out. Like, a teams would not go in there and schedule, to see that on their schedule and be like, all right, pencil a win. Hey, they were 18, right? Exactly. The, super, the Supersonics, when they drafted the Kevin Durant, there was no, like, and they, I believe they already had Westbrook at the time, if I'm not, or did Westbrook come after? No, Westbrook came after, bro. Yeah, Westbrook came okay. after. It but was KD and still, Jeff Green. So when you had KD and, and Jeff Green drafted to the Supersonics, you didn't get three or four years where you were like, oh, they're still going to be bad. They're still going to have top pick after right. top pick after top. They got one year, their rookie season, and the next year was Russ, right? Um, Yeah, the year after KD was Russ. Because if you waited till year two, year two KD would have been too good to get a Russ. And that's right. just how it works. That's why you can't tank your way into greatness because you're going to get one really good player, and then guess what? The team's going to be good now. If they're truly elite level, you know, that's just how it goes. But I, they're, they're going to go back to the process because, you know, the karma caught up to them, and uh, tankers get what they get. And they miss more times than they hit. They, what, had six of the worst seasons ever and got two players out of it. So Two players? The, and the two, might I add, are walking injury flat factories. I mean, the two are, are the second sons of Mr. Glass. So, <laughs> you know, that's just... <sighs> I, done, I done had enough of the taking. I done had enough of these injury-prone stars to superstars. I done had enough of that, and I know y'all done had enough of us. So, take care, but come on back next week, and then we got to that. And then we got to that. Peace and love, y'all. I know you had enough. I know you had enough.